apologize, everybody, again for our technical difficulties. So we picked up where we left off, Abdullah, about on our NFL show. Who do you think is the breakout player on the Colts? Yeah, so for me, uh, I, I said it's going to be Naeem Hines. Uh, I think he's going to – he's sort of their speed back on offense, and I think he's going to sort of continue to take a step forward and maybe split the, the, the splits as far as the carries are concerned between him and Marlon Mack might increase um, going into the next season. Now, on defense, it's going to be interesting. Um, Malik Hooker has been dealing with a lot of injuries, so he hasn't quite had that breakout year. Um, so I guess maybe you could choose him. Um, Kamoko Ture, I think is his name, one of the defensive linemen they drafted from Rutgers last year. He can also be a potential candidate that can have a breakout year. Um, he was really solid for them last year, but – I think with the addition of Justin Houston, he's poised for a potential breakout year. Absolutely. And who do you have the Colts drafting in your mock draft? Well, in the for first me, it's Tavon Cooney. In the first round, they're they're picking twenty sixth, right? So yeah. it really comes down to who's available. Um, I personally, if I could get one of those top three corners that I mentioned, if they're there, I would take one of those guys. Um, if not, I would probably go after another pass rusher. You can never have enough of those. Um, I would wait to – I know they need a wide receiver to help out T.Y. Uh, T. Hillen, excuse me, but I would wait until the later rounds to address that position. Um, as far as linebackers, maybe, like I said, maybe like a Blake Cashman because outside of like Devin Bush and Devin White, he's probably like the next best linebacker there. So if they can get him, um, having more co- – having guys that can cover and cover a lot of ground at linebacker is always a plus. So there's a lot of different directions that they can go. Oh, absolutely. So now with that being said, um, let's go on to the Houston Texans now. So um, let's talk about our question of the day for the Texans. Is Deshaun Watson ready to show that he can be an elite QB in 2019? Well, the thing is with Deshaun Watson, I mean, the big playability is definitely there. I mean, he's, he's definitely one of the best quarterbacks in the league when it comes to sort of pulling a rabbit out of his hat and just when the play breaks down, making a play happen, he, he, that's what you want out of your quarterbacks. Like, that's what separates the great quarterbacks from the good quarterbacks is if you have a guy when – because every, every quarterback can play well when everything is choreographed and scripted and everything goes according to plan. But do, do you have a guy at quarterback that when things break down, can you make a play happen? Deshaun Watson has proven that he can do that. The problem with him is the team around him, specifically the offensive line, isn't really that good. And in order for the Texans to make any noise next year, I really think that they need to adjust the offensive line in the draft. And I don't see them like filling all the holes they have on the offensive line. I mean, honestly, they'd probably be lucky if they can maybe get one stud offensive line in this draft. Because there, there's some decent offensive linemen in this draft class, but they're not the, – really, the, the, cream of, the cream of the crop in this draft is the defensive line. So they have, they have some question marks there. Maybe they make a trade, but they really need to – to me, Deshaun Watson being an elite quarterback is contingent on the Texans getting him an offensive line. Now, I also know, like in the, especially in the playoff game last year against the Colts, he did miss some throws. There were some accuracy issues, but I'm willing to cut him some slack for that because it was his first playoff game. He still is a young quarterback, so there's some some room for him to grow. Yeah, there's a lot of room for uh, Deshaun Watson to grow as well. So, 
another question we have is, do you think J.J. Watt and Jadavion Clowney are going to take the league by storm in 2019 with this ball-hawking Houston Texans defense? Well, the, the thing is, the front seven is, 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 is terrific for the Texans. They have J.J. Watt, um, Jadavion Clowney, although he hasn't – he, he, they do play him on the edge. His, he does most of his damage when he plays inside. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting. He's actually – he's better in run defense than he is as a pass rusher, which is why I said he's very good when he plays on the inside because he can just use his, his, his athleticism to just completely outmatch um, like guards because they're not, they're not accustomed to having the block athletic lineman like a Jadavian Clowney. A lot of times tackles have to deal with edge guys. So it, it's interesting. Uh, and J.J. Watt just continues to prove that he's still one of the best players in the league. You know, even though he's been he's battled a lot of serious injuries the past couple of years, he just continues to come back and play well. Um, really the Texans' biggest problem for me is, is, is the secondary, specifically the cornerback position. I mean, for how, for how long are they going to rely on Jonathan Joseph to be their number one guy? Like, I know they brought in, um, what's his name, Bradley Roby from the, from the Broncos, but at his best, he's probably a number three corner. So, as of right now, I think he's listed as their second uh, number two corner. They're asking a lot out of him to be their second guy. So, we'll see uh, what, what, this, uh, what direction they decide to go as far as the cornerback position is concerned. Yeah, absolutely. So now uh, we'll talk about my draft choice for the Houston Texans at pick 23. I had them selecting David Edwards, the offensive tackle from Wisconsin, to help with the protection that Deshaun Watson needs. Well, that um, I don't know too much about David Edwards, but historically Wisconsin's sort of been known for producing good NFL linemen. Um, I believe Joe Thomas came from there. So obviously um, I, my understanding is David Edwards is – is nowhere near the prospect Joe Thomas was, but um, I'm sure that they can probably um, find someone in the in the 20s range. I'm sure there's some offensive lineman that can that will drop. Maybe a guy like a Cody Ford from Oklahoma. Maybe an Andre Dillard. Uh, I don't think Jonah Williams will be there, but perhaps he might be there. You never know with the NFL draft. So I think there'll be some options for them. Maybe a Jawan Taylor from Florida. So if, if there's a lineman there, one of those guys is there, I would definitely take him if I'm the Texans. So now, uh, so now with that being said, uh, now with that being said, uh, let's also talk about, uh, let's talk about, uh, let's also talk about, let's also talk about our breakout players for the Texans this year. So I'm going with Deshaun Watson on offense and on defense. I'm going with, uh, Jadavion Clowney. Interesting. No, sorry, sorry. Whitney Merciless. My bad. No worries. Okay, that's an interesting pick. So for me, uh, I'm going to go with KK Cootie, I believe is his name, or QT, I believe is his last name, um, the slot receiver that they have. Um, I think he sort of, uh, once Will Fuller got hurt, he was sort of asked, asked to be like the number two receiver, and then obviously they traded for Demarius Thomas. But I really like him as their slot receiver, that number three guy that they can bring in. He's very quick and elusive. So um, I think he'll probably take the next step or a step forward for them this year and continue to get better. As far as defense, I mean, it's really interesting. Um, I, I guess you can say Justin Reed, but Justin Reed had a phenomenal rookie year, so you can't really 
I guess, pick him as a breakout player. I guess, really, we would kind of have to wait until the draft. Um, uh, let me see. Uh, there, there's, a, there's a young linebacker that they have. I forget his name right now. Uh, it's not – I want to say Zach Cunningham. I think Zach Cunningham is his name. Uh, the linebacker from Vanderbilt, I think they drafted a couple years ago. I'm going to go with him as a breakout player. Who? Who's that? Zach Cunningham. He's, he's a linebacker from Vanderbilt. The Texans drafted a couple of years ago. Oh, okay. So now, so now, so now that being said, I'm going to give you my top five quarterbacks list heading into the 2019 season. So for me, um, number one is Tom Brady. Number two is Drew Brees. Number three is Aaron Rodgers. Number four is Phillip Rivers. Number five is Russell Wilson. And tie for fifth is uh, Patrick Mahomes and Jared Goff. Okay. Well, for me, my list would be I have – it's tough considering he had a little bit of a down year last year. I still personally have Aaron Rodgers number one. And I know it's going to cause some controversy and some stir. People are going to say, well, why don't you have Tom Brady number one? The reason why I value Aaron Rodgers more is because, to me, Aaron Rodgers can make every single, pl- every single throw that you could ask from a quarterback. Tom Brady, most of his damage is in the pocket. If you ask Tom Brady to roll out, roll outside of the pocket and make a throw on the run, he wouldn't be able to do it. So for me, like we talked about earlier with Deshaun Watson, I value, especially in today's NFL, with the athleticism that you have on the defensive side of all, specifically at edge rusher or, or anywhere in the front seven, you need a guy at quarterback that can make things happen when things break down. A lot of times that involves him buying extra time with his feet. Aaron Rodgers can do that. Tom Brady can maneuver in the pocket and slide and, you know, maybe buy an extra second or two, but that isn't always, that's not something that you, you can bank on. So for me, that's why I put Rodgers number one. Um, and I guess we can say, just out of respect, with number two, you have to go with Tom Brady. I mean, his resume speaks for itself. So he did take a slight step back last year. Like, you saw a little bit of a decline. But, you know, obviously the Patriots still won the Super Bowl last year, so things worked out. So I got him at two. And number three is where it gets a little bit interesting. Um, I'm going to go with Russell Wilson only because even though the Seahawks did address the offensive line last year, they're – their offense doesn't really have – I mean, Doug Baldwin is a fantastic receiver. He's actually one of my favorite players in the NFL to watch. He's really the only – I guess you can say he's their best playmaker on offense. I mean, yeah, they have Tyler Lockett, who's a solid deep threat, but they don't have, I guess, any star players on offense outside of Russell Wilson. So just out of that and, – and he's also – you can make an argument. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. As, as far as making buying extra time with his feet. Or you can argue he's probably the best in the league at doing that. So just off those things, I, I would put him at three. And four and five is where it gets interesting because I, I want to say Drew Brees. I want to put him at four only because, I mean, he had a fantastic year last year, but I feel like a lot of the stats are – a lot of his damage came um, with underneath throws. Like – he was, getting, he was throwing the ball a lot to Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara underneath. He didn't really throw the ball deep down the field because he didn't really have to because he had the playmakers on offense where he didn't have to throw the ball consistently down the field. Um, so because of that, I would probably just I'd put him on the lower end, put him on the lower end of my top five at number four. And then five, it's, it's interesting. 
because I want to put Patrick Mahomes fifth, but the reason why I don't want to put him fifth, I, I probably do what you did, put him tied for fifth or worst case scenario sixth, just because as, as phenomenal as of a year he had last year, it's only one year. So I kind of want to pump the brakes a little bit and not put him in the top five. Um, so for me, I'm going to put Andrew Luck fifth um, just because the fact that he had the season that he had last year coming off essentially not playing for two years. And we saw that if you give Andrew Luck an offensive line, he can do real damage. And that's what he did. So that, that that's my top five. Yeah, you got a good list there. So now I'll tell you my early predicted division winners for each uh, for each conference. So I'll start off with the AFC. So for the AFC East, obviously I have my New England Patriots. For the AFC West, the Los Angeles Chargers. For the AFC South, the Indianapolis Colts. And for the AFC North, the Cleveland Browns. And for the NFC side, for the NFC West, the LA Rams. The NFC East, the Philadelphia Eagles. The NFC North, the Green Bay Packers, and for the NFC South, the New Orleans Saints. Hmm. I, well, that's, the only ones I would say I, I disagree with are I think the Rams are going to take a step back this year. I think they'll still be in contention for a wild card spot, but I feel really good about the Niners next year. Now, there's there, there are some question marks um, as far as their um, – the roster is concerned. Um, they really need to address the secondary. And even though they traded for D4, their pass rush is still not where you would want it to be as a team. Um, so I think if they, barring any injuries, I think now it would be close. Like, I don't think that they're going to go like 14 and two or anything like that. Like I can see them winning the division over the Rams. It'll be one of those situations where it comes down towards the end of the year, but I could see the Niners probably winning the division over the Rams just because with the Rams, they lost some pieces in free agency. You have the Super Bowl hangover. I think they'll make the playoffs and just they'll take a step back. Um, and the NFC South, I actually – it's weird because I, I also think – I think the Saints are going to take a step back as well because – kind of similar to the Rams, the way their season ended last year in the NFC Championship game, you know, with the whole no-call controversy. I think that that's really going to affect them psychologically. And also, Max Unger retiring, I think, is a huge loss for them. There's one of the things that's really underappreciated in the NFL is having a veteran center that is sort of the anchor of your offensive line and makes the line calls. I feel like those guys are really underappreciated and undervalued. I think he's going to be sorely missed. Um, and I really think the Falcons are going to have a bounce back year this year. I think considering the amount of injuries that they had last year, I mean, they, I guess, finished with as good a record as they possibly could. But I really feel like they're going to have a bounce back year. Yeah, but the reason why I still believe the Rams are going to win the, the NFC West this year is because, you know, obviously they got Clay Matthews, Felt Banker, that defense. That defense is still going to be good. Eric Weddle will be a big help for them as well. And, and I think Sean McVay is still a good head coach. I still think the Ram, uh, that's why I still have the Rams winning the NFC West. That's it's their it's their division to lose. Oh yeah, I mean it, it's it's absolutely their division to lose until obviously someone takes it from them. I think the interesting thing for the Rams going into next season is going to be Jared Goff. In my opinion, really got exposed in the Super Bowl. Where now, granted, he's a young quarterback, so 
it's unfair to you know just rip him apart. Um, I think for me, he's gonna have to take another step forward next year, a big step forward, and carry more to load next year because he's got to show teams that if the game is on the line, he can win the game for the Rams. And I believe he can. I believe Jared Goff can because Jared Goff's a very good quarterback. He's talented, and I also think uh, I also think that this uh, what should I call this? This Rams team is going to be a good football team for a long time. Now, with that being said, uh, let's talk about your reaction to Mr. Kraft's statement to the uh, to the uh, at his first public statements after the uh, prostitution incident. Oh well. Um... I'm not really too familiar with what he said. I mean, my understanding is he, he mentioned something about he wanted a jury trial or something. Um, I haven't really followed it too much, to be quite honest. Um, as far as, like, football stuff are related, I've been just focused on, like, what the teams are doing. I'm not really um, – I haven't focused on anything outside of that, so I can't really comment on it, I guess. But, um, yeah, I mean, I guess it's one of those where it's just you got to let the legal process, you know, do its thing. And if – if it turns out he did something, he should be, you know, he should, uh, whatever legal action is necessary to be taken against him should be, should be enforced. Yeah, absolutely. So now that being said, um, let's talk, let's, uh, let's talk about our, uh, final NFL thoughts of the day as, uh, I think this is a good off season, but at the same time, I do think the Patriots, now with Gronk retiring, I don't know if we talked about Gronk retiring, so let's talk about your reaction to Rob Gronkowski retiring for our final NFL thought. Well, it's interesting. I was a little bit surprised just from the standpoint of I thought he would have come back for at least one more year just to make it an even 10 years. Because usually, I mean, in my opinion, he's still a Hall of Famer, whether he played nine years or he played 10 years. It doesn't matter. He's, he's still arguably the most dominant player at his position to ever play. So... um. I thought he would have come back for another year, but, you know, maybe, you know, the injuries just, they just start to take their toll and maybe he just wanted to go out and go out on top as a Super Bowl champion. And perhaps there are other opportunities that were available for him that he felt um, were, were a better option for him at the time or at this moment. Yeah, absolutely. And then, uh, and then uh, let's also talk about, I also told you this when it comes to the NFL schedule, I'm going to tell you who I think both RP teams will play to begin the year. So I have the Patriots playing the Chiefs, and then I have your Jets playing the Bills in Buffalo, and then I have your Jets ending the 2019 season at home with the New England Patriots. So it's interesting. Speaking of the schedule, um, it's interesting how – so this year, the Thursday night opener game is going to be the Bears and the Packers. It's not going to be how it's been in in years past where the Super Bowl winner plays on the Thursday night kickoff game. my understanding, I mean, the NFL hasn't said anything officially about it, but my understanding is the reason why they decide to go with Bears-Packers is because it's the oldest rivalry in the league. Because I think the the Bears came into the NFL in 1920. They're one of the original teams. And the Packers came in 1921. Um, even though they were, um, they were established a year before, but they came into the NFL in 1921. So I'm assuming that's the reason why they went in that direction. Um, now, as far as who I want, who I want the Patriots to play in week one, um, and I think most fans would agree with this, is I would want to see the Browns, the Patriots and the Browns in the first game of the season on Sunday Night Football. I just feel like it, it, it has everything you would want in the game. You've got 
Baker, you've got Patriot, uh, you got Tom Brady, you know, you've got the, you've got star players in it, you know, you've got the Super Bowl champs, obviously, with the Patriots. You have arguably the most exciting young team in the league as far as offseason hype's concerned. There's going to be a lot of offense, which is what a lot of people are going to probably want to see. I think it would be the most exciting game if they, if uh, for people to watch um, for the first week of the season. Yeah, that I I'm still going to stick with Patriots Chiefs Week One, and then uh, and you agree with that the Patriots end the year on the road in East Rutherford, New Jersey, against your New York Jets. I mean, that could happen. Uh, I, I would I would certainly rather the game take place. Um, at uh, East Rutherford than a uh, than a Foxborough, so maybe that's what ends up happening. But because uh, I predict, I predict the Patriots and Jets will play the Monday night game in Week Three of the NFL season in Foxborough. That could happen. I mean, either way, the Week Seventeen games are going to be divisional games, so it's very possible that the Jets and Patriots play in the last week of the season because that's what happened this past season. So it, it can certainly happen. Uh, but we'll, I guess we just kind of have to wait and find out. But it'll be interesting to see. Absolutely. So that being said, oh, we'll talk. We'll talk to you next week, and and we're gonna talk about our offseason outlooks of the Tennessee Titans and the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars next week. Absolutely, Lorenzo. Have a good one.